chapter 1. Again, it's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord again this morning. And thank you, musicians. Thank you so much for your faithfulness to the house of God. Thank you for giving to Uganda. I know the Tolstads will definitely appreciate that. And the brother is there in Africa will definitely appreciate you giving to help them have a church building. You know, sometimes we can take things for granted, you know. But if you've ever been to Africa, I tell you, what you're doing to help build them a church, you will not understand the impact of what that is doing to them. I mean, to be able to have a building, you know, to worship God in is just beyond measure once you go there and you see what they uh, have and they love the Lord. And so for your support of that, I say truly thank you so much. You know, I, I know I don't say it enough, you know, but you guys, you're, you're, you're to be commended for what you do for the kingdom of God. And again, it's good to have everybody in the house of the Lord today. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. For the preaching, First Corinthians chapter 1, verse 18. I'll give her a chance to get it up there for you. There we are. For the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but to us which are saved, it is the power of God. But unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. And I want to minister to you from this thought this morning, the reason for the cross. The reason for the cross. Pray with me one more time. Father, again, we love you. We truly appreciate you again this glorious day, God. We thank you for your faithfulness that we feel in this place right now. God, we thank you for the love and kindness and tender mercy that only you can show forth to us, God. Sweet Holy Spirit, sweet Heavenly Dove, stay with us, God. We exalt thee, O God. We truly appreciate you, God. I can't find the words, God, to magnify you and to exalt you enough, Lord, each and every day. But I will take the cup of salvation and pay my vows in the sanctuary, God, because you are everything to me and you are so much more, God. And I thank you this day. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. Amen. Praise God. The reason for the cross. The story is told in a humorous way, of a man that went to Jesus and came to Jesus and said to him, Lord, I am tired of carrying this heavy cross. And in the room where he was, around the walls and, and in different rooms, were all kinds of crosses laid upon the wall. And the Lord said to him, well, change it out. And so the man set his cross down and he goes to this room and he walks around and he's looking in this room to try to find a different cross and he walks around and he comes all the way through all these rooms looking at all these crosses and he finally comes back and he sees one and he says, I think I'll take that one right there. And the Lord says, well, that's the one you brought in here. (laughs) 
You know, we don't hear a lot about the cross, it seems, anymore. But there have been many songs written about the cross. And we just sung a lot of those songs. When you look in this old singing to the hymn, the word go, amen, songbook, amen, it has a lot of songs about the cross. Our forefathers found the need to pen scriptures and songs to, uh, words to songs that would elify and bring the cross into the forefront of our lives so that we would not forget about the cross. Uh, Paul tells us that the things that are written before was written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might find hope. Amen. Some of those old songs you will find in that book talks about Calvary. Years I spent in vanity and pride, caring not that my Lord was crucified, knowing not that it was for me he died at Calvary. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light. And the burdens on my heart rolled away. It was there by faith that I received my sight. And now I am happy all the day. He was nailed to the cross for me. No millions are come. There's still room for one. There's still room at the cross. I see a crimson stream of blood. It flows from Calvary. It's waves which reach the throne of God are now sweeping over me just for me. He did it just for me. Must Jesus bear the cross of long and all the world go free? No, there's a cross for everyone and there's a cross for me. Thank God for the blood, that crimson blood. Amen. That old rugged cross made a difference. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. And that song we sung at the onset near the cross. Amen. We can't forget the cross. They saw a need to share the gospel of Jesus Christ through these songs to remind you and I the value and the importance of the cross. Amen. So what is the meaning of the cross? The cross simply means it means death. Amen. It means from here that everything flows in your life as a Christian. From the 6th century B.C. all the way into the 4th century A.D., the cross was the instrument of excruciation, pain, amen, and suffering and torture that they went through on a cross, amen. In crucifixion, a person was either tied or they were nailed to a wooden cross and left to hang until they, they died. Death would be slow and excruciating painfully. However, because of Christ and His death on the cross, the meaning of the cross today simply means something totally different. Amen. The cross is an intersection for you and I of God's love and His judgment. Uh, Jesus says in Matthew 16, 24, except you take up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. We've got to pick up our cross uh, and begin to 
follow Him. Amen. He goes on in Matthew 16, 24, says, Whosoever will lose this life shall find it. Amen. And whosoever loses life for my sake shall find it here. Notice what God is trying to get us to see. You've got to lose this old life here if you're going to have His life. Amen. You can't maintain this worldly life and expect it to have a life of Jesus Christ. It's newness of life. Amen. As we heard this morning in our Sunday school, when we're risen out of baptism, we are risen to walk in newness of life. And I've come to tell you this morning that Jesus wants you to have life and He wants you to have it more abundantly. You see, a life, amen, is liberty. It's freedom. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, Now the Lord is that Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Jesus says that the Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the broken and hearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, and to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. You see, life is free. Amen. For the way the Spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Amen. You're not bound. You're not tied up. You're not tangled up. Your life is a free life. Amen. Because you know that the joy of the Lord is your strength. You have the power to raise your hands. You have the power to shout. You have the power to sing songs. Amen. You're free. You're not bound. It's liberty. Amen. You have investment here. You have to invest some time in your prayer. You have to invest in your time giving it to God. Amen. And Paul goes on. I mean, Jesus says in Luke 6, 38, Give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, and shaken together, and running over for with the same measure you meet. It'll meet to you again. If you give God some time, He'll give you some time back. You won't be carried away with everything that's coming in this world. You will be steadfast and unmovable. You see, a life is filled with fellowship. They continue steadfast and the apostles' doctrine, breaking of bread and prayer and fellowship. Amen. It's fellowshipping with one another. But more important, a new life brings you into fellowship with Jesus Christ. That's what communion is all about, is you having fellowship with God. You're sitting down at your own table and you are communicating and you are fellowshipping with Jesus Christ. That's what newness of life began to bring about. Life is all about endurance. It's having the power to keep going under adverse circumstances and situations that come into your life. Paul says, brethren, I count not myself to have apprehend, but this one thing I do. I forget those things which are behind and I reach forth to those things which are before. I press towards the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Newness of life brings you to a point that you realize there's something better ahead of me and I'm not looking back. I'm looking before. Amen. I'm looking into Jesus who is the author and the finisher of my faith. 
faith. Amen. He can write me in the book or He can write me out. I choose to be in the story. When this thing, no matter how long it takes, when it's all over, I want to hear Him say, Well done, the good and faithful servant. Praise God. You got to have lose this old life. It ain't doing nothing causing you trouble anyhow. Get rid of it. You want a new life. Praise God. Jesus except, said, except the grain of wheat fall in the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it dies, it shall bring forth fruit. Some thirty, some sixty, some a hundred fall. Amen. He wants us to have this newness of life. Amen. When Jesus came, when, excuse me, when Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, he came to him. He says, Rabbi, we know that thou art teacher come from God, for no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with them. Jesus said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born again, he shall not enter the kingdom of God. Nicodemus says, Well, how can a man be born again when he's old? Can he enter the second time and to his mother's womb and be born? Jesus says, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except the man be born of water and spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say to you, you must be born again. The wind blow where it was that you hear the sound thereof, but canst not tell where it's coming and where it's going. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus says, well, how can these things be? Jesus says, aren't you a master of Israel? And you know not these things. We speak that we know. We testify that which we've seen, and you will not believe our report. If I have told you earthly things and you believe not, how shall you believe if I shall tell of the heavenly things? No man have ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Notice Jesus talks about a serpent in the wilderness. When you go back and you begin Began to look in Numbers 21, verse 7 and 8. You know that the children of Israel began to murmur. They began to complain. They began to turn against God's word. And God sent five serpents into their camp. And as they was bit by the serpent, many of them died. Amen. And so God says to Moses, after the children of Israel began to ask for prayer, and that God, He would intercede to God for them. Then God told Moses, he says, I want you to take a brass serpent and put him on a pole and put him in the middle of the camp. And whoever gets bitten by a snake or serpent, then I will heal him when he looks to that serpent. He can look to that serpent and he can live. 
So Jesus today in John 3 began to use the same analogy. And he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. It was a type and shadow of what Jesus Christ would do for you and I. Notice the serpent was made of brass. When John in the book of Revelation gets a vision of Jesus Christ... And Revelation 1, John looks back and he sees Jesus and he says, And I saw his feet was as brass burn in a furnace. Amen. So we see this picture of Jesus Christ being given to you and I. If you were to walk back a little bit to the burning bush in the wilderness, here's Moses. He's got a rod in his hand. And God asked him, What's in your hand? He said, He says, cast it on the ground. He cast it on the ground. And what happened? It turned into a serpent. And God says, take it by the tail. And he took it again. And he lifted it up. Amen. So God was preparing Moses' mind of what he was going to do later on. Stay with me this morning. So we see that Jesus says to Nicodemus, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so, must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. You see, when they looked to the serpent, if they was bitten, they could live. You can't live without Jesus Christ. You've got to look to Him. Isaiah says in 45, 22, Look unto me, all you earth, and you shall live, for I am God, and there is none else. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name given unto heaven to men, whereby we must be saved. The same serpent that bit them was a vision for them that they could be lived, but they had to look to the serpent. It was not in the power in the serpent. It was in the power of the Word that God told them, you look and you can live. They had to be obedient to the Word of God. I've come to tell you today, you're not going to live without obeying the Word of God. You've got to obey His Word. In the beginning was the Word, and neither is there salvation in any other. Praise God. Hallelujah. The serpent was lifted. Jesus was lifted. Praise God. The thief, Jesus says, come not but for the steal. To kill and to destroy, but I am come that they may have life and that more abundantly. Look unto me, he says in Isaiah 45 22. Notice they had to look to the serpent. Look unto me, he says, all ye ends, and be ye saved, all you ends of the earth. For I am God, and there's none else. You are my witnesses, saith the Lord, and my servants whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me that I am He. And Jesus says, when I, the Son of Man, be lifted up, He says, you're going to know that I am He. Amen. And He says, Lord, give us a sign. He says, when I'll be lifted up, you're going to know it's me. 
Hallelujah. Praise God. You see, the enemy of your soul is trying to destroy you. He wants to bite you. He wants to put his venom and poison in you. But you have got to look to Jesus. He is the author and he is the finisher of our faith this morning. From Exodus all the way to Calvary it was all about Jesus Christ and his blood and his death. They had to have blood on the doorposts when they came out of Egypt. They had to bring a sacrifice and the priest took the blood and he sprinkled it on the mercy seat for their sins. It was a shadow of looking to Jesus. It was a shadow of looking to God for deliverance and salvation. The cross is not to be carried around your neck. It is to be carried on your back. You've got to take up your cross and follow Him. You've got to realize that the cross is for you and me power. It is the power to live. It is the power to sing. It is the power to dance. It is the power that has made us free. Praise God. Hallelujah. Obedience to the Word of God. Elijah didn't care if Naaman dipped in the pool or not in the Jordan River. He didn't care. But for Naaman, he had to obey the Word to live. The pattern is there for you. Amen. You've got to take up your cross daily and follow me, Jesus said. Praise God. <laughs> Excuse me. Amen. Paul, right into the church at Rome, in the fifth chapter, in verse 6, says, For when we were yet without strength and due time, Christ died for the ungodly. She says, for scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commended his love towards us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Amen. Praise God. We can be saved from this thing of this world. You don't have to die. You can live. This is what the psalmist is saying. I shall not die, but live and declare the works of the Lord. They chasten me sore, but He's not giving me over to death. I go through things in my life, but I'm not dead. God's not dead, so I'm not going to die. Calvary speaks of life to me. He died to this world. People says, well, if Jesus was God, why did He die? God didn't die. The flesh died. The Spirit is still alive. This flesh has got to die if you're going to live. I'm not talking about a natural death. I'm talking about a spirit your death. You've got to die to the things of this world if you want to live and have His life in you. Praise God. This gives you power to make right choices, right decisions, right thinking. Amen. Your mind, as we heard this morning, can be totally messed up, but God can fix it. Abraham, is there anything too hard for God? 
Nothing. Your problems ain't too big that God can't fix it. That's why the centurion says, you don't even have to come to my house. Just speak the word. And my servant will be healed. Look unto me and be saved all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none other. Look to the cross. Look to Calvary. For godly sorrow, work at repentance to salvation. Amen. Godly sorrow, as we heard this morning, my goodness, amen. But sorrow of this world, amen, does nothing for you. Praise God, amen. It causes you to turn. It causes you to see things clearly. That, hey, I've got to make a difference. I've got to turn around. That's what Calvary should speak to you. God's love on that old rugged cross up on a hill should speak to you and says, I can't go down that road any longer. I need to make a U-turn. I need to turn around. I need to come to Him. Amen. Because the preaching of the cross, the them that is perishing, it is foolishness for somebody else to die for you, but not you and I. It is the power of God to salvation, amen, to everyone that believe, to the Jew and to also the Greek. The cross is that saving power. To carry your cross means, amen, that you've got to have courage to pick up that cross. You've got to have physical courage. You've got to have mental courage. You need physical courage to go all the way to the end. You've got to have the stamina to keep going in adversity. You've got to have the stamina to keep running this race with patience, looking unto Him. You've got to have a mental courage, amen, to stand up for right versus what is wrong. You've got to go, amen, with this cross. You've got to have some resistance. You've got to have some repentance. You've got to have some righteousness in your life to carry this cross that He's asking you to carry. You've got to have some obedience. You've got to obey the Word of God. You've got to obey them to have the rule over you because you're carrying a cross. You've got to have some submission. You've got to submit yourselves to God and to His Word and to His way. If you want God's life, you've got to submit this life, uh, to His life, and, and to Him. Uh, amen. You've got to have strength to keep going. You have to be able to endure hardness as a good soldier for Jesus Christ. That's why David says, God is my refuge, and God is my strength. He's a very present help in trouble. That cross represents death. And death is not an easy thing to endure. The flesh don't want to die. It wants to live forever. But except you die, 
you can't live except you turn around and repent. You cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Jesus says, Behold, I give you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing by any means shall harm you. You can have power, amen, through the cross. Amen. There's room at the cross for you. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Are you carrying your cross this morning? You know, as Jesus was coming up Calvary, up the hill called Golgotha, the Bible says that the Roman soldiers reached over and grabbed a man named Simon of Serene. History says he was a black man. And as a result, he had to finish carrying Jesus' cross up the hill. Calvary is for everyone. It was a portrait that everyone is going to have to pick up a cross. Whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're brown, whether you're blue, whether you're green. And carry it all the way to the end. There's going to be no exceptions if you want life. And I am come that you may have life and that more abundantly. The promise of God are all yea and amen. So what is the reason for the cross? Death. That's what it's all about. Death so that you can have life and that more abundantly. Let's stand this morning. Praise God. There's room at the cross this morning. Though millions have come, there's still room for one. There's room at the cross for you. Praise God. Hallelujah. Lord, we love you. God, we thank you for that old rugged cross so despised by the world, God. It still has that wonderful attraction to me, oh God. I thank you for your shed blood, God, that you gave that we might live, God. I thank you again, God, for the goodness of the Lord. I thank you for Calvary, God. I thank you, Lord God, today, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus. Oh, God, I thank you, Lord, that you died for a wretch like me, oh, God. Thank you, Jesus, again this morning, God. Touch our hearts again today, Lord. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're opening these altars for you this morning. Hallelujah. Praise God. Do you have your cross this morning?